Inductees into the South Dakota Hall of Fame come from all backgrounds of life, but one thing they all have in common is their daily pursuit of their dreams. In this podcast, you will hear stories of the legacy of these inductees and how these dream chasers have impacted South Dakota in meaningful ways. We're talking today to Anne McKay Thompson, who is a 2015 inductee into the South Dakota Hall of Fame. I want to give a quick, very quick thumbnail of your very diverse background. You grew up in Leeds, South Dakota. You became Miss South Dakota. You attended USD, SDSU. I actually did USD. Then when I was an older adult, I did some at SDSU and then MIT. So you've got quite the legacy, educational legacy. You became one of the first women who was a cabinet member in the state of South Dakota, serving in Department of Education and the Labor Department. Um, your contribution bio in the Hall of Fame talks about your contributions to education as well as arts and humanity and your work on the Commission of Status of Women. That is a very quick and diverse background, but what I want to ask you first is of all of those things and the paths that opened up to you in your life, would you talk a little bit about some of really the pivotal moments as you look back? What you just told people I call the South Dakota resume, which is you see something that needs to be done and you get it done. <laughs> and that could be in any different angle that helps the state, helps the community, something that needs to be written about, talked about. And so I think some of the challenges came, uh, certainly not because of youth. I think youth gives you an advantage, but it, um, some of the pivotal moments were when some doors opened up and I went through them. Uh, one door opened up after Miss America to go to New York and try out Broadway by one of the people on Broadway, one of my judges. I didn't go. And part of it is I wanted to stay in my own state. Um, another, and I'm not sorry, I, I go to watch them now, not watch me. <laughs> another one was probably having some opportunities for more education. I got a Bush Leadership Fellow that took me to MIT. And I learned a lot about public policy development, how you can use creativity in solving problems. Uh, everybody kind of looks and says, well, who's done it before? And we'll look at them. And sometimes there isn't somebody. Are, are, uh, such as um, we needed to do interactive television. Um, one of the pivotal moments, this is a tough one to pick them all out succinctly, but one of them is when we realized in central South Dakota that we had nothing within commuting, commuting distance to get any education beyond age 21. Um, even at the early ages, nowhere. I mean, you could not commute and get your education. So what's the problem? Adults now need to be retrained a whole bunch of times in their lifetime. Computers were coming in. No one was trained in period on that. How do we do that? And so that opened the door to try out interactive television. No one had done it. We took the public broadcasting line. We made a loop out of it. I mean, it was a team, SDSU and Public Broadcasting and Capital University Center. And we were getting these fabulous instructors from state over the air 
teaching people in Central South Dakota. Hadn't been done before. Um, the idea that adults needed education had not really in a massive way been done before. We changed the culture because of that. And so those pivotal moments are the things that change the culture for the good of the people. Mm -hmm. And that was one of them. Um, I think in Department of Labor, when I headed that and we talked about that, it was having jobs open for women. They used to have a little handwritten note on their job card list that says, no women, men only. And I was a Secretary of Labor and some called me and talked to me about that and I said, we need to take a look at that. And so we started opening jobs. That was just a very small thing. And then we were computerizing jobs so people all over the state knew what was available. And then um, other pivotal mo moments, I think, were the arts. How, how important are the arts? Well, let's just take a look. Nothing is remembered unless it is written, painted, sculpted. <laughs> we know the arts are the history of the world. That's how we find out about Egypt. We open the tombs and here's the art. You know, we just, that's our, becomes our history. That, that's our medallion for who we were at the time. Mm -hmm. and, the other thing is that the governors uh, about six years ago said that economic development could very well hinge on the arts. It's now an industry. So that was another pivotal moment when we all in the state were starting to do that kind of thing and take a look at it as an industry, not a frivolous thing. The legislature always looked at it as little bitty lead or whatever. It isn't, it's the soul of humanity. Um, another pivotal moment, I think, was when I wrote a book with a uh, co-author, uh, Marsha Donnan, and we took a look at what was happening with women in America. We were very much on the cutting edge on the national scene, and we took a look at that, and we thought it is time that women had a playbook, and so with the knowledge that we had at the time, we wrote a playbook and management strategies for women. And it's still available <laughs> after all these years, I can't believe it, but things have changed since then too. But those were some of the key pivotal moments. Mm -hmm. And then I think having my children was pivotal too. I think uh, you can't give up your children for work. I mean, they, it's a way of life that we had to cultivate and figure out how to do it. And it makes you understand how the rest of the world sometimes looks at what we do, right? When they yeah. look at it through the lens of their family and their life. And, yeah, yeah. my kids played underneath my desk and yeah. I had toys and I had, I was a national speaker. And I remember I had to find something in my pocket and I took out a pacifier and then I took out a <laughs> cookie for, you know, and, and they started laughing at me and I thought, well, that's my life. And then I had a dirty diaper in the sack with me, yeah. <laughs> you know, but if, we had a wonderful life, we just when, all worked. When you talk about those pivotal moments that involve change, unless you encountered what most human beings don't, which was a, hey, that's a good idea, let's do it. I bet there were some challenges connected with raising a, why don't we do it this way? Or why don't we try something new? How did you kind of overcome those challenges or navigate well, your way through them? I, I had read enough and studied enough. Um, my library on those kind of books was just huge because I didn't know where else to get the education. Men weren't mentoring women because it was awkward at the time. And so we did a lot of book things. And so what I found out is if you, 
have something new that's really new that people don't understand, you have to do a lot more work. If you just do an incremental thing of new and improved, it's not so hard. I always was over here on the, nobody's heard of this thing, like putting in a science museum. I'm a science buff underneath, always have been. And I just saw the need for science, plus we needed to diversify our economy in South Dakota, and so we were packaging things, all of us were at the same time. We, we held some of the first economic development classes there in Pierre through Capital University Center, and people came all over the state to start learning about this. And so what we had to do was teach people. So that Discovery Center we put up free in the mall, hands-on exhibits that people could just go in and play with and all of a sudden they're understanding. How do you make a tornado? We had a little thing. Mm -hmm. How do you work with gravity? How do you, you know, and you got to play with it. So then they understood what a hands-on science museum is. Then other people around the state started coming in and looking at our operation and got the same idea. So now we have several in the state. Mm -hmm. um, writing the book. Um, what w I had to do was sell South Dakota. I'm in New York. Um, I'm with an agent who's never met us before, and I wrote one of the chapters, I use sailing terms, and he said, who sails in South Dakota? And I said, do you understand that we have more riverfront than the state of California? And he stops. And I, it was a lesson that said, we have to also sell our state because people have a really distorted view of what it is and who we are. And so I developed this little list of things that I say right away, and it's like, oh, we had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so they become the challenges that you just, when you encounter it, you know you're going to encounter it, and you've got to bring them along. And with mm -hmm. uh, working with women in the workplace, what we did is we brought a, a lot of men along. Like I didn't do any projects where there weren't other men that were also advocating some of the things that we did either through legislation or I interviewed men in the book too, you know, so that we didn't have this conflict going. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, I think that was one of the strategies the most. And they're hard. I think what we don't do as people that do new things is we don't tell people how we get through them. And we don't have a wherewithal in this state as much as other states do. We just don't know how to do things. Well, that doesn't matter. You can find out and you can test it and you can make it fit your community, your state. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have all this broad knowledge. You can find mm -hmm. it out now. Mm -hmm. oh, well, I think that's, that's certainly true with information at your fingertips, but I think you've touched on something else that's important, particularly for young people to think about. I think there's the stereotype that people who succeed do it on their own. And you have woven through in what you've oh. talked about, the who you brought along, who I you helped. I have help. networks all over. I have yeah. a national network, and we talk and we chat, and I always, when I did leadership classes, I always said, you've got to have your group. You've got what I call them as an emergency group. Um, there were a bunch of us in Pierre that were heading things. It was probably the most active women heading things in the whole state at the time. And we formed an emergency group, had a problem, said, four o'clock emergency meeting. Secretaries would come in, four o'clock emergency meeting. We knew where to meet. We didn't tell anybody else. We solved the problem as uh -huh. a group and then became friends and all. But I've got groups in humanities. I've got my writing groups. I've got my art group. I mean, we can't do anything of import by yourself. People don't follow a person. They really follow the concept. And so you can't, 
you can't just hold on to that. But if you are the person that thinks of it, you've got to be totally involved to guide mm -hmm. it until it's ready to be dispersed what, with others. When did you first realize that in your life? Oh, young, young. My first business, I was a teenager. I was a twirler. I twirled fire and I did everything, you know. I, I was always curious. I'm a very curious person. And um, I just realized I needed somebody to teach me. I needed somebody to, I've caught some bushes on fire at a concert <laughs> one time, I, you know, and I needed somebody that knew how to put out a fire, just little things like that. But I think my parents too, I, my dad was a really good mentor. And he always said, don't forget names. That's still hard for me, but don't forget names. They're important. And, and we just, you have to cultivate those relationships. It's really important. It can't get done without other people becoming part of it too. So you build a bandwagon. Bandwagon building is really fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you look back now uh, at, at your career, would you have done anything differently? Are there times that you said, nah, I wish I would have done it. Do you wish you would have no, done there, that? No, there isn't. That's <laughs> I just, great. Uh, and I still have more to go. I mean, I just, I could live another 100 years and, and I know other friends of mine that we're just not done. Once you get that curiosity going in your head and once you find out how you can do something, you know, some people can look at a puzzle and figure out all the little pieces. Some people can look at all the little pieces and figure out what the picture should look like. And once you cultivate both of those, you don't see big problems, you see opportunities. Mm -hmm. So is there something you haven't done yet that you want to? Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to be a professional artist now. And so I just set up a studio and I'm getting some help from some really good artists and I'm gonna sculpt I am going to do acrylic, I'm doing um, uh, abstract, and I want to become a South Dakota painter. And I painted years and years ago, mm -hmm. and then got married, and then the kids, you know how that works. And so now, I, that's my release, and I, I really want to make substantial art about South Dakota, and about cancer, mm -hmm. and about um, uh, cancer with women, and I want to do it through SMART. And then I have a gigantic idea. Um, I was on this, the sidewalk sculpture board when in Sioux Falls and then lived in the hills. So I'm hoping that we can get great, big, giant, wonderful, artful um, pieces all across the state. So we go from sculpture on our sidewalk to where we carve our mountains. Oh, what a great idea. That's a great idea. And I'll be doing some writing yeah. Again, I'm anxious to get back to that too. Yeah. So when young, young people, particularly young women, ask you today for advice, what do you tell them? Uh, trust yourself, learn, constant learning. You've just got to be a lifelong learner. And we did that with Osher Lifelong Learning Institute when we started that in mm -hmm. Sioux Falls, now it's all over. And um, you just, you can't quit. There's always something to learn. And the other thing is, if you have a new idea, don't tell everybody right away. You've got to let it germinate in your own head so that you can mm -hmm. talk about the idea mm -hmm. in a logical way that people can understand it. Mm -hmm. And they should just never underestimate the power of youth. People love young people. And they open doors like crazy. They were opened for me. Mm -hmm. And I was always amazed saying, what, me? And I don't know it. You know, that's, we all feel that way. Right. 
Right. So that's the advice I would give to both boys and girls. Yeah. You alluded to it earlier. You have had challenges in your life. You have had health challenges. You've broken barriers professionally. <laughs> um, well, my first barrier, Yeah. I was Miss South Dakota. I, the legislature made me an official ambassador for the state so I could travel with tourism and economic development. I'd been traveling all year, really working on the state, talking about it, the youth, I'm in college. And the governor said, there's a job that's opening up. I was about to graduate. Why don't you go check it out? So I go out there and he said, I'm sorry, we're gonna hire a man for that, but do you type? And I said, that's the reason I never learned. It started early, you know? So yeah, those were some of the challenges. The other challenges, I've had cancer three times, just finished one this last year, fine. Just got out of it. I now know when I get it. I know the signs. And I think just challenges of living. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're all good. I have friends that we just hold each other up and mm -hmm. nothing's easy. Nobody gets by without really hard things happening in their life. Nobody, mm -hmm. I've never met anybody that hasn't had a challenge. Mm -hmm. We have to just trust it heals itself. And when you were young and you faced that first challenge, how'd you get through it rather than just say, okay, I guess I can't? Well, how did you get to I can? I never, my friends used to say, don't tell Ann she can't do something because she doesn't know that. <laughs> and I think, that, again, that goes back to my mom and dad. It just was, well, you can't do that. I mean, if I said, oh, I'd like to learn to play tennis, there was a tennis racket on my bed the next day from mom and dad, you know, try it, try it, try it. And so I just never had that. I just thought I will find another way. So what I did when I started had, had the authority under the businesses where I did, I just ran the business like I felt one should for women. They had a sick baby, they brought it to work with them. We had an incubator there for a little child with a heart problem right by the mom. We had, you know, uh, uh, we uh, took shopping days at Christmas. I gave them an afternoon off to do their family shopping because we were so busy at that time of year. Just, we implemented the things that kept families focused and intact and took away some of the stress. We just did it. You know, we ran a business like it should be run for families mm -hmm. and didn't ignore those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to talk about? Oh, just that I think we just have to understand what a magnificent state we have. And, and young people, the success is not that you leave the state and then get a job out of state. That's the old way. Now it is you come back. You come back to our communities. We welcome you. We're all getting tired. We'd like a little break to go out, you know, and come back, come home. Um, the values are here that people want. The, you, you can earn millions of dollars here, but money's not everything. But you, you can get secure in that level too. And the friendships you get, we're a state that is like giant group of communities or a giant neighborhood just long roads in between the neighborhoods mm -hmm. and that's what's so important about this state don't mm -hmm. desert it come back make be a part of it and i think we now see why the governor wanted you to be an ambassador <laughs> for the state of south dakota and thompson thank you for this time today thank you
Thank you for listening. To learn more about the South Dakota Hall of Fame and these dream chasers, visit our website at www.sdexcellence.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.